as we heard in the song that we were playing uh, this morning about God turning things around. So many times what happens in life is that the devil will grab us or try to grab us Christians, and especially because we are indeed Christians, there's always a target on our backs and on our chests. The devil would love to do things to just throw us off, throw us out of kilter, to do us harm. Amen. And so many times the devil, again, as the song was saying there, what the devil meant for evil, God will turn to good. So when things come into our lives that seem to be so challenging and we can't figure out how to get there, we have to realize, first of all, well, maybe the devil started out trying to bring this calamity upon me, but I'm not going to accept it, I'm not going to receive it, because God will indeed turn it around. But we can't just do that, and we can't believe that just based on a song and based on my standing up here saying that. You need to understand what the Word of God says, because everything that we talk about here is based on the Word of God, not my opinion or anything else. Ask me about whether or not I like your dress. I'll give you my opinion. When it comes down to the Word of God, it can't be my opinion. It's got to be based on the Word of God. Amen. But before we can even get to understanding that what the devil meant for evil, God will turn around and God will make it good. We have to understand that we cannot expect that to happen unless we have God in the picture, because we can't do it ourselves. Amen. So let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes, because first we need to establish some fundamental truths before we can move forward and understand what God is telling us here. The book of Ecclesiastes. And the first chapter. Book of Ecclesiastes, the first chapter. We cannot begin to understand and believe that what the devil meant for evil, God will make it good and that God can turn it around if we don't believe that we need God to do it, okay, that we can't do it ourselves. So many times we as Christians, we want to bring about change in our lives, and we forget that, our, um, and we, we forget that being, uh, uh, trying to do it ourselves is not the answer. Many times we even think that simply going to church is the answer, and, and that's not also the answer. It, it, it extends what we do and how we live our Christian lives extends far beyond the borders of any physical building or anything like a church building. Uh, my wife Tanya showed me a, a, a cute little quote that was on the, on the web, and maybe some of you saw it, but it basically said, it said, sitting in a church, sitting in a church does not make you a Christian any more than sitting in a car, in a garage, makes you a car. Okay, I really love that. Sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Amen? So we know that sitting in a garage certainly does not make us a car. And there's something else, obviously, that has to be done to make you a car. So sitting in a church is not the sum total of our Christian experience. So we have to realize that. So going to Ecclesiastes and starting with chapter 1, verse number 1, Ecclesiastes 1, verse number 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Please put a bracket around uh, verse number two. We'll come back to it in a moment. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit has a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastes to its place where it rose. The wind goes toward the south and turns about unto the north, whirls about continually, and the wind turns again according to its circuits. 
All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that has been, it is that which shall be. The thing that has been is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It has already, it has been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This severe travail has God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the worlds that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. That thing which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is lacking cannot be numbered. Okay, so we'll pause there. And the words I want to focus on in there is all is vanity. Now what he is saying is that there are certain things in life that man cannot fix. The rivers go where they go and so on like that, and man has no control over that. Um, the water has, has always been here. The water will always be water. Um, does anyone even realize, for, uh, as a matter of fact, that there is no new water? The very same water that we drink today is the same water that existed in the beginning of creation. Because as water goes up from the air, it evaporates into the clouds. It comes right back down again. So the water that you're drinking is, what, I don't know, 5 million years, 5,000 years old or something, okay? All right, so in other words, the, in other, what this is saying is that there is nothing that man can do, okay? It's all vanity. Now, the word vanity in Scripture... The word vanity is not referring to someone that stares in a mirror and says, oh, I'm so beautiful, oh, I'm so handsome. You know, it's not that kind of vanity. Vanity is, in Scripture, in theological terms, vanity is when a man or a woman or a human being thinks that he can do things without God. Okay? That's vanity. That's vanity when you start thinking that I can turn around this bad thing in my life without God, that I can do it myself. That this thing that the devil has brought into my life that was meant for evil is pure vanity if you think that I, through, through a whole lot of thoughts and through a whole lot of, you know, meditation, non-spiritual, godly meditation, through lighting 18 candles, standing on one foot, dancing around in circles, okay, that that can fix it, all right? That's vanity. That's what Scripture is saying here. That's what Ecclesiastes is saying. So one first fundamental thing before we can get into understanding that God is going to turn things around in your life, you have to believe who God is and that this thing that needs to be turned around in your life cannot be done without God because otherwise you're functioning under the rules of pure human vanity. Amen? Amen. So that's not where we want to go. So as the song said, God is going to, to turn around some things in our lives and he's going to give beauty for ashes and to turn, turn bad things uh, to good in your life. Let's go to... Um, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. There are so many scriptures here on God doing a new thing uh, in your life. You know, the problem is, is that when we have this troublesome thing that's going on and we don't know how we're going to deal with it, we don't realize that God is simply standing there waiting for us to bring the issue to him. To bring the issue to him. And, and once you bring the issue to him, then God will say to you uh, in that quiet time that you're with him, I'm going to do a new thing. 
you know. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word does not change. Simply because he uttered something here in scripture, you know, way back in the Old Testament, in the days of Isaiah, the same thing applies to you today, you see. But many times, we as Christians, though, and, and I just, oh boy, you know, it just kind of drives me bonkers when I hear people say, well, the Old Testament is passé, it's gone away, it does not apply today. You know, the Old Testament is not passé. God wrote one comprehensive book, and that's the book called that we call the Bible. Old and New Testaments link, link, link intricately together, you know, even in terms of, of prophecy. Jesus in New Testament is fulfilling everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament. So you have to believe that if you're going to believe that this issue that you have going on in your life, God's going to turn around. So Isaiah 43, and we're just going to read starting with verse uh, 14. Verse 14, Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose song is in the ships. I am the Lord your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters. You see? And the sea here is symbolic of troubles that are going on in your life. Things that are issues that may be cropping up. Thus saith the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as a wick. Remember not the former things. Please underline all of this. Remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay? So if you can grab hold of that promise, what God is saying to you, that behold, he will do a new thing that's in your life. When it says that he will, he will, he will make a way in the wilderness, um, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, this is saying here that when you're in the wilderness, God will get you out of that wilderness. And God only knows that when you have something really troubling going on in your life, it does many times feel like you're in a wilderness. You feel like you're lost. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like there's no way out. What God is saying through the scripture is that he will, will make a way. Amen. Water's in the desert. We all know that if you're in the desert, one thing you desire the most is water. Amen. So God is saying during this dry time in your life, and again, when you've got troubles going on, you do, you feel physically, you feel dry, you feel depleted. So God is saying that I will provide sustenance during that time. God will do a new thing. So that's what we hear God telling us right from the beginning here. Okay? And then if we go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Okay? God will do a new thing. What the devil meant for evil in your life, God will indeed turn it around for something good. The Spirit of the Lord, 61 verse number 1. The Spirit of the Lord, Lord God, is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim claim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. How many knows that know that when you are in fear, when things are going wrong in your life and you're so worried, you're filled with anxiety, you're filled with stress, you're in prison. You're in prison because you're not free. You're not free. Right? When you're feeling free, that's when you have no worries. 
When you're feeling free is when you've just um, bought that uh, brand new brand new car or bought that brand new house or something and you're in seventh heaven and you're really so happy about it. That's when you're free because you have no worries. It's when the devil comes into your life to, to bring things down on you. That's when you start worrying and you're feeling bound up and so you're in prison. All right? If you're not feeling lightheaded and happy and joyful, then something has you bound and you need to be set free from that. Jesus Christ is, of course, the answer. God can set you free from it, regardless of what the devil intended to happen. Okay? And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. If you're in a state of mourning, and I use that, I, I don't necessarily use that literally, but if you are in a state of mourning because you're worrying about that, you have to believe that God will bring comfort to you. You see, you, see, you, you have to realize that the reason that the devil inflicts you, I mean, you know, that's his, that's his task in life, yeah, his job. That's his job. You know, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. You know, he's the enemy. He wishes to destroy you, you know. So if you can't believe that he's out there to destroy you, but, and, and you're in, in essence, you're mourning because of the state of mind that you're in, you're not feeling joyful, you know, that's the same thing as you being at a funeral, in essence, and you're mourning for someone that's died because your spirits are so low. Amen? But, but the Word of God is saying that God will comfort, bring comfort to all that mourn. Amen? So first of all, you've got to start knowing that, that with this difficult thing that's going on in your life right now, that challenging thing, that God's going to bring comfort to you. And he's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. It continues here in verse number 3. It says, To appoint unto those who mourn in Zion, to give, on them be- to give unto them beauty for ashes. Remember the song we just heard, all right? To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. One of the reasons that we always start our, our services with, with a praise time, first of all, the word of God says you should do that, is because if you're praising God, you cannot stay in a down spirit. Praising God, the devil cannot, and his little, little imps, cannot stay around you or continue plaguing you if you're praising God. So one of the first things you need to start doing, and you may not always feeling, feel like praising God, is to start praising him. Tell him how much you love him. Raise your hands unto him and sing wonderful songs to him. Tell him your love for him. Tell him how much you want to do his will. Praise him, you know. And praising is not always easy. That's why scripture talks about praises of sacrifice. Because giving praises when you don't feel like doing it is sacrificial praise. And that really, really holds a, um, holds a, a, a high spot in God, God's heart. Because he knows how you feel, but yet still you're putting aside your feelings to praise God. So if you want things to turn around in your life and you're feeling this mournful kind of thing here, you know, the oil of joy is Holy Spirit, oil for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And again, heaviness is when you actually are feeling so depressed. You know, one of the most effective things that I've found, and you know, and I'm, I'm not, not um, uh, what do you call it, I'm not exempt from being, from being attacked. I'm probably under attack more than you all because I'm a preacher and, up here and I'm the one that's bringing forth the word of God. So the devil would love to shut me down. Amen. So I have times when he comes against me and tries to bring on heaviness or depression and whatnot. Okay. And as soon as I recognize, I start praising God. You put on some music, put on your iPad, your iPod, or, or I, if you got it on your iPad, put on your iPad, whatever. You know, you know but, but, but put on some music and start praising God, and you'll be surprised how that spirit of heaviness will lift, you see. Because when you're praising God and you're giving all the glory to God, you're recognizing the fact that there is someone greater than you. 
there is someone greater than you. You're not walking in that human vanity thinking that you can do it yourself. Amen? So it continues on here and says in verse number 4, And they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. And foreigners shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of, a- of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the nations, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. Amen. So all that is saying here in, in very, in very um, elaborate language is that people that you wouldn't expect would wind up, in, 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 in essence, serving you. You know, would wind up working for you, so to speak. That you will be the one that's in charge. You will not be the one that's at the bottom of the heap. Because so many times when the devil is coming against us, he makes us feel like we're losers. You know, loser, loser, loser. He makes us feel like we're at the bottom of the heap, you see. What God is saying is that God will change, turn things around. And you put on, he'll give you oil, oil for the joyful morning and praise him to remove that spirit of heaviness. And then you'll find out that all of that will change in your life. You'll find out there's an entirely different feeling. The other thing that we need to realize, first of all, which is really important, is God is in control. At the time that this thing is going on in your life, where you're, you're, you're troubled, you're, you're, maybe you're feeling so troubled, you have to remember that God is in control. If you look around you and look at the situation that's existing right now in your life, or what may be existing in your life, you feel like everything is out of control. And the funny thing is that that's when you sit down and you start thinking about, well, what should I do? Who can I call? Who should I write? Who should I send an email to? And again, you're, getting, you're running the risk now of getting into that vanity of vanities. Because instead of letting God do this thing, you're trying to figure out the way to do it. So you have to remember and you have to believe God is in control. And one of the things that the enemy does so quickly, and because so many of the decisions that we make in life is done with our minds as opposed to being done with our spirit. You see? If you're a born-again child of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. And Holy Spirit is just, just, just jumping at the chance to guide you and to guide your thoughts and your actions. Many times we think with our minds, you know, and we start rationalizing. We start putting two and two together. We start looking at the circumstances and start saying, well, gee whiz, this is the predicament that I'm in. This is the thing that's going on. This is the decision that I need to make. Now, if A plus B equals C, and you sit down with your pad and pencil, you say, oh, maybe I'll develop a spreadsheet. You go into Excel and you start developing and you start thinking about all of these ways to solve your problems instead of just realizing, well, wait a minute. God knows my issue. God knows what's going on. God is in control. God is in control. And once you can really believe that deep within your heart of hearts, then you have this this thing where you, all of a sudden, you, you, you let it go. You let it go. And when you let it go, knowing that God is in control, if you really believe that, you will literally feel the weight lift off of your back. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've experienced over my years in ministry. There's something really, really troubling going on, something that I'm really challenged with. The minute I really get to remembering that God is in control and get out of that vanity of vanities thing where I have to figure out how to do it, then I sit back and I just breathe and relax because I know that someone much greater than this situation, someone much greater than the devil, someone much greater than any human being on this earth, okay, okay if God is for you, then who can be against you? Amen? I don't care what the situation may be. If God is for you, who can be against you? So God is in control. Again, don't take my word. Let's go to Romans, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Okay, Romans chapter 8. 
start with some very fundamental things here and it all goes to the point how much do you believe how much are you really willing to believe Romans chapter 8 verse number 24 okay Romans 8 verse number 24 uh, let's do 23 23 first and not only they but ourselves also who have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption that is the redemption of our body for we are saved by hope but hope that is seen is not hope amen underline that if you don't already have it but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees why does he yet hope for it but if we hope for that which we see not then we do with patience wait for it okay and with patience we wait for it. So then, in other words, what that is saying is that if you're, if you're having hope on something or faith in something that you already see, then that's not really having faith or hope. You know, it's like so many times I've told you about the little experiment where I have people stand up and, 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 and then, you know, close your eyes and then sit down. You know, and you'd be surprised how many people turn around and look to see if the chair is still there. You know, so knowing the chair is there and you're sitting down because you see the chair, that's not having hope or having faith because you know that the chair is there. Okay, what is real hope and real faith is if you hear the Lord say to you, sit down and you don't see a chair behind you. How many would have faith to sit down? Okay, so hope that is seen is not really hope. Okay, hope is, is when you don't see something and don't understand something. So when you've got that bad thing that's going on in your life and the devil is trying to, to pay you with evil, okay, and just knowing that God is in control, you have to believe that without seeing the evidence of God being in control, okay? Now, to me, the evidence is what? And it, it should be the same for you. The evidence that God is in control is very, very simple. It's right here. It's in his word. It's in his word. Amen. The fact that God is in control should be with you by Holy Spirit ministering to you as you are saying your prayers. Amen. So hope, so as I'm saying, for, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he hope for it? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with faith uh, wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, the so Holy Spirit is interceding for you in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all things, verse number 8, put a bracket around it, 28, put a bracket around it. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. All right? So all things work together for good for those that love God. So it's very, very simple. Then the question that you should ask yourself is that, do you know God? Do you love God? Amen. And if you can really, really answer that you love God, then you know that all things work together for good. So that thing that the devil meant for evil, as the song was saying, God will make it good, is because of the fact that you love God. It's saying in his word there that all things work together for good. Okay, you, you see, you see, and, and regardless of what you may see with your eyes, God will indeed make it good. Amen. I remember one time when I was trying for a promotion early on in my career as, as a building a management, getting into management and everything. And there was a position 
that I was uh, uh, that I applied for and there were two of us who had filtered through the interview process, two of us that were running neck and neck, all right? And, and the uh, manager, the position that we were applying for, the manager had left, had already gone, and the office was vacant. One day I came to work, and I saw my competition sitting in the office, okay? And so right away I said, oh, man, my stomach dropped. I said, oh, boy, well, I guess it's a done deal. He's got, he's got the job. Okay, and I just went into prayer and I said, Lord, you know, I felt, I prayed, da da da, and so on like that. A very personal conversation, and what I simply heard from him was, Why are you believing your eyes? Why are you believing your eyes? To make a long story short, when I got to work a couple of days later and whatnot, I found out that that particular day that the computer in there needed to have something done to it, and they merely had him sitting in there just to work on their computer. I wound up getting the job. Okay, but what did the devil do to me? He let me see that person sitting in to me, and right away, sitting in there, he right away, he started lying to me. See, you didn't get that job. See, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. Okay, but you have to believe, you have to trust God, and just know that everything works out for good for those that love God. And I simply said, okay, Lord, I know what you told me, I know what you heard from me, but however, if that is not where you want me to be, then Lord, I just put it in your hands, and I just know that you will make it work out for good. And it did, it did indeed work out for good, you see. So that's where we need to get. That's where you need to get. Whatever that negative thing that is going on in your life, and if there's nothing going on there in your life right now, trust me when I say, don't trust me, trust the Word of God, because Jesus said, Jesus said that or you will have tribulation. He didn't say you may. God said, Jesus said you will have tribulations, that there will be a time when the devil will indeed come against you. Amen. But if that does indeed happen, you remember what you're hearing here today. That what the devil intends for evil, God will make for good and will turn it around. All right? So while it may start out being an inconvenience for you or being painful for you or making you seem like you're failing and you will not achieve that which you're trying to achieve, you have to remember that God, for, for those that love him, God turns things around and will bring it for good. Amen? So God is indeed very much in control. Let's go to Luke. Luke, um, Luke 1. Luke 1. God said he will turn it around. God said he will turn it around. God said he will turn it around, you know. And the problem is, is that the devil, he, he just never lets up, you know. He, he, doesn't, um, he, he doesn't give up. He knows that if he, uh, if he dings at us and hammers on us long enough that many times we Christians will, will fail, you, you know, or, or I should say will crumble. That's why it's so important that you stay in the Word. That's why it's so important that you, that, that, that you, you pray. It's so important that you, you read the Word, that you talk to God, that you bring your issues to God. You know, how many realize that you don't have to have fancy prayers and fancy words? You don't have to speak in King James language. Thou and these, you can simply say, Lord, this is what's troubling me. Lord, this is what's on my heart. This is what's happening. Lord, please help me. Amen? Amen? So Luke 1, starting with verse number 34. Okay? God is in control, and then with God, nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible in your life. 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? This is Mary when the angel was telling her she's going to be with child. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Please note line, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So we see a couple of very dynamite trans- trans- transactions taking place here. First of all, the angel is saying, she's saying, uh, well, I'm going to become pregnant. How can this be? I don't know a man. But he's saying that the Holy Spirit will, do, will take care of that. And then also your cousin Elizabeth, who was well beyond the childbearing age, was also going to become pregnant. She did with John the Baptist. Amen. So then he just says there that um, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So if God can do all of that, do you think that that little thing that's happening in your life is too great for God? Amen. Amen. Not to mention the fact that God created the universe and all that is. You know, forget about that part even. Amen. Not to mention that. But that little thing that's going on in your life when that individual is giving you a hard time or the situation is presenting itself, it just seems so a challenge, so, so challenging. If God can, can, can make this old, this woman who is beyond the childbearing age become pregnant and make Mary, who had not known a man, become pregnant, God can certainly solve what it is that you're, that you're wrestling with. Okay? And then the other part that that's important is surrender. Is surrender. You know? After you have that prayer time with God, and you've presented this issue that you're wrestling with, after you've had that deep communication with God, and He's told you that this is what's going to happen, don't worry, I will see you through this, how many of you still walk away trying to figure out how you can solve it? How many of you simply say, simply surrender and say to God, okay God, then you do it, you see? This is what Mary said here. Mary said, in verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. In other words, here I am. Be it unto me according to your word. Amen? So when God speaks to you and tells you that this is what he's going to do for you, you accept it and you say, Okay, Lord, I surrender. One of the hardest things for human beings to do is to surrender to God. It's to surrender. It, is, it seems to be so difficult, you know. This is why the Bible talks in so many times, you know, about the raising of hands and praising God, you know. And many people say, oh, I can praise God without, without my hands being raised. Yeah, I suppose you can, and I'm not saying that you, you know. But one of the reasons that we do just raise your hands is because you're surrendering to God, you know. And when you've walked with God and, and, and have really had some really tight times in your life, and God has really brought you through some, oh man, miraculously through some issues. I mean, I raise my hands not because the Bible says to raise my hands. It's because, Lord, I just surrender to you, Lord. I want, take, my, take me. I'm your all. Everything that I have, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. Amen? So she's saying there, I'm your handmaiden, Lord. Do with me as you will, in essence. Okay? So after God speaks to you, when you've got this thing in your life that needs to be turned around and God tells you that he's going to handle it and that this is what he wants you to do, you've got to get to the point that you actually say, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. Okay? And, and, and there's no contingencies on it. There's no strings attached. Don't say, oh, oh, okay, Lord, as long as you don't make me do this. <laughs> you know? Okay, Lord, don't, don't make me do this. You know? There was a song back in the 70s, I think it was. It was called Please Don't Send Me to Africa. And it was supposed to be a, a guy singing, a, a missionary that was singing about how he wanted to serve the Lord and do all this thing. And then the, the chorus of the song says, but Lord, please don't send me to Africa. Da, 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 you know? So he wanted to be a missionary, but he wanted to choose where he wanted to go. And he didn't want to go there. Okay? So when God is speaking to your heart. And he's saying to you, this is what I want you to do. You know, don't you push back and say, oh, Lord, I'll do anything else but. 
Mary surrendered and said, okay, Lord, do with me as you will, so to speak. Amen? So that's where you have to be. If you want that thing in your life to be turned around and God is indeed trying to turn it around, then that's, this is how you have to, to give in and surrender to the Lord. Um, Nehemiah 8. A few more scriptures here in, in closing. Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 8. Okay. Knowing that God is in, tro- is in control um, should indeed bring you some joy. Nehemiah 8, and we're going to start at verse number 9. 8, 9. And Nehemiah, who is the Tirshatha, in other words, that's the governor, Nehemiah, who is the Tirshatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So in other words, they were there reading, reading the law to them, and people were weeping and, and crying and so forth because they, were, they felt conviction. Um, and then verse number 10 says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be you grave, grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we heard in the song there, the sister singing talked about joy. Amen. The joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. It says, neither be ye grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So while you're having this thing that's going on in your life that is, is troubling you so much, and when God is talking about turning it around, this is where, again, getting back to playing some music and putting on some psalms and start clapping and jumping for joy. Amen. Put on, put on, turn on this song, turn around. You can certainly find it on iTunes or whatever. Okay, but listen to that and start jumping for joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, what the devil wants to do, and if you will notice that this is how he works, Because when you stop and think about it, did anyone here in the sanctuary, did anyone here ever go through a difficult time, a painful time with joy? All right? Did anyone here ever go through a time that was really challenging and troublesome to to them with joy? I doubt it very much. The reason why it was troublesome was because you had no joy. You know, you were indeed very, very saddened or you were very hurt or dismayed or, or, or depressed of what was going on. Amen. So what the devil wants to do is to steal your joy. See, so if he can steal your joy, why is he stealing your joy? Because he knows that the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. So again, while you're in this thing that you're so troubled with, that God is going to turn around, you've got to bring some joy into it, the joy of the Lord. Focusing on the Word of God, thinking about what the Word says, reading the promises, reading some of the scriptures that we've read here today, where God says that I will indeed turn things around, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? So then, and finally here, I want to go to Psalms 34. Because while God is turning things around in your life, there are some things that you need to know. You need to know and you need to kind of hang, hang your hat on and really believe and focus on, you see. And this is a good psalm for you to read through from time to time. 
to remind you of what God is saying to you, you know. And the other thing you have to, 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 to remember to again, really, really, really believing deep in your spirit that God is in control. I mean, how many can actually say that, that God is in control and really believe it, you know. We don't, we don't lie down at night counting our breaths or counting our heartbeats. You know, we just kind of lay there knowing that our heart's going to beat and that you're going to get another breath. Well, you have to, with the same understanding and the same faith, knowing that God is in control. So, looking at 34 and starting with verse 1, and we'll go through here, uh, 34, as we close. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Okay. First of all, put a highlight around number one because that kind of forms the foundation. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually means exactly what it says, continually. How many here just bless the Lord and praise God on Sunday? Okay, again, what is, that, what is that little thing again from the internet? Sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a car makes you, sitting in a garage make you a car. Amen, amen. So if you think that simply praising God on, on Sunday is going to get you through the things when the devil is coming at you 24-7, then you're, you're mistaken. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Lift up the Lord's name, exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Please put a highlight around number four. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. So now if you have things going on, if you're seeking God, don't you believe that God is hearing you? Don't you believe that God is hearing you? You see? So that's a promise right there. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Highlight that. All right? The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You are no different than the poor man that this scripture is referring to. If you cry out to God, you've got to believe that he hears you and that he's going to deliver you. Amen. And, and, and don't sit there or, or lay there when, you, when you're praying to God and you're saying, okay, God, I know you heard me. And verse number 6 of Psalm 34 said, said that you're going to deliver me. And then you look at your watch and start counting the time. Okay, if God says he's going to deliver you, God's going to deliver you. It may be the next five minutes, it may be five days, it may be five hours, you don't know. All you have to rest assured is that God is going to deliver you, okay? And as far as the time frame is concerned, God created time. (laughs) Amen? God created time. God controls time. You don't think he knows the time frame in which you need an answer to whatever it is that you need an answer to, or whatever the situation is, is in your life? You don't think he knows that? Amen? So all you need to do is trust in the fact that God heard me, and that now I know God's going to deliver me. And God will deliver me within the time frame to keep me from getting into more hurt. Amen? Amen? So, so the, the poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers him. If you believe in God, you have to believe there are angels. You have to believe that God, the, the God's in his word said that angels are ministering spirits to the saints. Well, you're a saint. I'm not talking about the little carved images you put on your dashboard in your car. Saints, according to the word of God, is everyone in this room and me. We're saints. Amen? Amen? So the, so the angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him and delivers him. Amen? And fear him here is that reverence thing that I was talking about a couple of Sundays back. This is not fear like God is, ooh, God is spooky. This is fear meaning that there's reverence there. 
that you respect God, that you, that you, you revere Him. So if you revere Him, the angel of the Lord is encamping round about you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. How much do you trust in God? Okay? You can believe what I'm saying up here, maybe, that according to the sermon I heard today, God said that what the, the, uh, the, the song said that what the uh, devil intended for evil, God is make it good. Okay? But don't just believe that. Just believe what the word of God is saying here. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no lack to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. So nothing that you need or desire are you going to lack. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Let me take back a little part of what I just said about ten. There, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Let me just clean up or, or, or clarify. You won't lack for anything. God will always give you what you need, not necessarily what you want. Amen? Just understand that. God will always give you what you need, but not necessarily everything that you want. Because many of the things that we human beings pray for are not the best things for us, are not good for us. Amen? 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 God knows the future, you know? You know, you may be praying for a, you know, I'd love to have me a super fast little race car that I could zip around in. The Lord knows I'd probably wrap it around a tree. Amen. So he most likely wouldn't bless me with that. <laughs> Amen. Okay. All right. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. So, so God knows what's good for you. You know, you know, and we have this way of viewing ourselves as being in such a place that many times is loftier than what we really are. <laughs> okay. You know, Mario Andretti with the gloves on and so forth. Rin, rin, and sure. Bang. So God will never bless me with a race car. Not that I really want one either. Not that I really want one. Okay. But you see the point that I'm making. God knows what you need and God will always bless you with that God knows you have a mortgage to pay God knows you have rent to pay God knows you need food on your table you need clothes on your back your children need the means to get to school you, you, you need this you need that God knows what you need and God is going to make sure that those that are his children are going to have everything that they need amen so that's what this is saying here amen the young lions do lack and suffer hunger for they who seek the, but they who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing verse 11 come you children hearken unto me I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. If you don't have something nice to say, sometimes it's better not to say anything. Be careful about how you're talking about people. Be careful about how you're being deceptive or speaking, speaking lies or speaking half-truths. Keep your tongue from evil. You know, many times we open the door because of the things that we say. Open the door for the devil to attack us. Verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. So if you're trying your best and you're living a righteous life, that means that God's ears are open to your cry. When you're crying out to him, when you're praying unto him because of this issue that's going on in your life, God's ears are open to that. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Please underline or highlight that. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. So what the devil intends for evil, God will turn around for good. He will deliver you. The Lord is near unto those who are of a broken heart, and saveth such as of a contrite spirit. 
you know, you're feeling down about something, you're really torn up and you're broken hearted, you know, and you, you're a contrite spirit, you know, uh, uh, God is near you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's another one to highlight or underline. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Well, if you're righteous, you can, ex- you can expect that through your life there will be some afflictions. Amen. Again, going back to what Jesus said back in Matthew, he said that you will have tribulations. Amen. But, but Jesus came to overcome those tribulations. All right. The Lord will deliver him out of all of them. Verse 20. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them who trust in him shall be desolate. All right? So if you believe that, 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 uh, um, you know, that, that nothing, not you, he redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them who trust in him shall be desolate, that thing that is in your life is going to go away, and God is not going to leave you out there, you know, fumbling and painful and brokenhearted. Amen? But you have to believe that whatever that thing that's going on or whatever things come into your life, the devil intended it for evil. God will turn it around and make it for good. Amen. So you have to say, you have to remember, all things work together for good for those that love God. All right. And one of the most challenging things, the most interesting, interesting things that I found is that when you get that calamity that comes into your life, and you will, we all do as Christians, you know, when you get that calamity, you know, I've actually sat back and chuckled and said, okay, Lord, let's see how you're going to get me out of this one. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this one? Okay, it'll be interesting to see how this one's going to turn out, okay? All right, because it, it always does. I mean, it, it always does, you know. And, and the, the things that seem impossible. I, I told you all about my, my jury duty thing where, where I got called for, for jury duty and it was on the day that I was going to be out of town on vacation. And the jury summons always tells you, in accordance with law number, blah, 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 you know, this is a subpoena. If you don't appear, you'll be arrested, et cetera, et cetera. Lord, I'm, I'm going to be called up, uh, did the Internet thing to get excused, and twice they denied me and told me to report for jury duty, et cetera. Gathered all my paperwork together, and I just prayed. I said, Lord, obviously I can't do this. Hotel, you know, hotel um, reservations made, transportation paid for, yeah, I can't do this, Lord, what am I going to do? Gathered all my tickets together and reservations and went down to the judge's chambers to the court and just prayed. I said, Lord, you just handle it. When I got there, the guy said, what's the problem? I told him. He said, hold on. Picked up the phone. I started unzipping my briefcase. He talked to somebody. I said, okay, you've been excused. You've been postponed until January 2015. Didn't even get a chance to open my briefcase. Didn't get a chance to say a thing. The Lord handled it. The Lord handled it. To me, it was seeming like an impossible situation. You know, and I won't won't tell you a half truth at one point there I even sat there on my couch and visioned the sheriff knocking on my door <laughs> I'm, I kid you not he, I mean I had played this there and here now I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher okay and I'm just trying to say to you that I'm not exempt from these things just like you you see but you've got to learn to trust God that situation seemed impossible to me they had told me twice that I had to report to duty they denied my excuse and so on like that but God made a way I didn't have to argue my case God made a way you see, so whatever that thing is in your life, all right, and you say, oh, well, that was trivial. What you're talking about, Pastor Cobb, there's no comparison to this thing that's going on in my life. Well, guess what? God handles the trivial things the same way he handles the mighty things. If you are his child, the trivial things are just as important to him as are the mighty things in your life. Amen? So if you've got an issue that is much bigger than jury duty, God can handle that the same way he handled the jury duty. God can handle it. But you've got to have faith in remembering, first of all, God is in control. And that if you, if you love him, 
Okay, that he is indeed going to turn things for your life to good. Amen? Amen? So praise God. Just remember what you've heard here today and put it into action. Trust God for all things. And I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.